Welcome to another episode of Backlash Podcast. I'm Jeff with Team Rhino Outdoors. And if you want to check out that company, visit TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. My co-host today is Brad Hoppy with Muskie Mayhem Tackle. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Muskie Mayhem Tackle, visit MuskieMayhemTackle.com. Our guest today is Phil Stadola from Angler Sport Fishing. We're going to talk a little bit about Green Bay Muskies and uh, Titletown Muskies, Inc. All good things for the state of Wisconsin. It's kind of the crown jewel of the the Wisconsin Muskie program, I guess I would say. I, in my opinion, have been down to, you know, southern Wisconsin, particularly the Madison Chain, and I still think that the Madison Chain rivals Green Bay, not necessarily for giant fish, but the, the fish are still lots of quality and lots of numbers and so i understand why people travel to green bay because if you're looking for a mega giant that is the best place in the state to find one yeah it has been for a long time that's for sure jeff i you know personally i have not fished green bay as far as uh muskies i don't know it, it, it has an allure there's no doubt about it i mean people want that opportunity at a giant definitely presents that opportunity Absolutely. I mean, I can make a case that if you're looking for a mega giant in the United States, that is probably one of the best opportunities to get a mega giant. I know I'm sure St. Clair guys are listening to this and they're like, no, what about St. Clair? St. Clair is a great place too. And I think you have that chance too. If you were going to pick two spots, those in, in my opinion, this is, you know, just my opinion that you would pick either St. Clair or Green Bay. And, you know, Brad, you'll probably offer up Minnesota some someplace, but I still think those two offer the best opportunity at one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're right on on key with that. I there's a ton of different lakes that you can think of um, throughout the U.S. Obviously, but you know, consistency and length plus the girth side of it, I definitely think you're on track. Yeah, it's also odd. I mean, I get more and more people from Minnesota talking to me about you know, hey, what what do I want to do if I want to get started on Green Bay? What size bait should I use? They all want to throw pounders and and run supernatural headlocks, which not saying they don't eat them. I've just never heard consistent bites, but I've also never heard of anybody consistently using them. So sometimes you wonder if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm sure Phil will talk about super shad wraps because they eat super shad wraps trolling on Green Bay. But is that because dudes only run 12 of them and they don't run anything else? Is that why? I mean, if that's all you run and you catch a muskie, of course you're going to catch it on a super shad wrap, right, Brad? <laughs> that's exactly right. Whatever you have on is probably the the opportunity at catching something on that bait. <laughs> so, you know, it, it just makes you wonder, like, you know, they always hear that muskies are muskies are muskies. And I understand bait fish always plays a factor in it, but it always makes me wonder, like, if guys were consistently throwing pounders on Green Bay, would they consistently catch muskies on Green Bay? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, it's interesting, Jeff. I mean, if you think about it, I know a couple different people that fit, are fishing over there. And even like in the bucktail realm, some of the big, like our supermodel and stuff like that, I'm, I'm hearing are producing fish over there, but it's kind of uh, one of those things where guys just aren't using the bigger baits. So I don't know. It's interesting. Absolutely. As far as Team Rhino Outdoors is concerned, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, at TRL Fishing. We've actually put out YouTube videos recently, so if you haven't checked out our YouTube video or YouTube channel recently, it's just Team Rhino Outdoors on YouTube. Check it out. We've gone fishing a few times. We put out some educational stuff, a couple of little uh, bait review things, more content's coming. I just need to continue to find time to edit it. But that's kind of what's going on with Team Rhino Outdoors. And Brad, you got anything? You got any new news about Muskie Mayhem Tackle? Well, we just got done with the uh, Minnesota Muskie Show, the online version, I guess you'd say. So that was cool. And then uh, 
we just released uh, two days ago as of the airing of this um, our third pro staff profile which is on youtube on musky Pan tackles youtube channel check it out subscribe you'll see more content but we just released the third one so it's mark stock jr should be interesting check that out as well as checking out our facebook instagram and our website well, I hope everybody's getting jacked up for musky season because it's if you're in the south, it's probably about time for you guys to get rolling. I know up here in the north, we still got to wait for things to thaw out a little bit and seasons to open, but we're not too far off. And but anyways, let's uh, let's kind of scratch the itch and let's talk about Green Bay muskies with Phil Stadola. All right, our guest today on this podcast is Phil Stadola with Angler Sport Fishing. Phil uh, typically fishes out of the Green Bay area, mostly on the bay. I'm assuming. So, Phil, thanks for coming out today. You know, it's your first time on the podcast. Why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what brought you down this crazy road of musky fishing? I know that I don't think anybody, well, I don't know, maybe not anybody, but most of us at 10 years old didn't go like, man, I really hope I can fish for muskies when I get older. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. It's exciting to be here. I uh, started listening when you guys first started the podcast, and uh, I've been listening quite a bit, so I'm excited to to be here with you guys today. But yeah, my name is Phil Sadola. I work for Angler Sport Fishing Guide Service. We fish the waters of Green Bay and its tributaries, um, mainly. We do a little bit of stuff on Winnebago as well for walleyes, but we do, uh, we guide for walleyes and muskies primarily. We're doing a little bit of the smallmouth bass stuff as well. And then uh, we also guide for sturgeon spearing on Lake Winnebago uh, in the wintertime. I, I started fishing like most kids with uh, my grandpa when I was a little kid. He had me out digging worms in the yard and uh, we fished in the Bayfield County area. My dad's from Superior originally. So every summer we'd go up and stay at my family's cabin and fish in, uh, in the pike chain in Bayfield County. And I remember seeing, you know, fishing for panfish and pike and bass and stuff. And one day seeing guys casting big baits out there. And I said, Grandpa, what are those guys up to over there? He said, Oh, those are musky guys. Those guys are nuts. He said, They fish all day and they don't catch anything. That was my introduction to musky fishing there. But, um, some days it is like that, but anyways, I started working at Cabela's when I was 18. I was really into hunting and fishing, obviously, and uh, started working there. Those That was the group that kind of got me into musky fishing. I had an older guy that I worked with there who took me out for my first time. He knew I was really into catching pike and stuff like that, and uh, so if you like fishing for big pike, you're going to love musky fishing, and that's really when the addiction started. Got into that uh, there. It took me a couple years to catch my first muskie. I didn't definitely didn't have any beginner's luck, but fished. Uh, I'm from the West Bend area originally, just north of Milwaukee in Wisconsin. So fished uh, Random Lake and Pewaukee Lake quite a bit. I caught my first muskie on Pewaukee, a 35 incher, and it was all it was all uphill from there. I was I was in tech school at the time to be a fireman, and that's my full time job. I'm a fireman. I work for the City of Manitowoc Fire Department. My business partner also works for the for the City of Manitowoc. Anyways, I, I caught my first muskie back in about 2013-14, and then uh, that was right about the time I was finishing up tech school, and I wasn't sure where I wanted to move to from there. I had applied for jobs in northern Wisconsin and Minnesota and stuff like that. We, uh, I had my first Green Bay muskie trolling experience that late summer and early fall, and uh, my friend's fiance at the time actually had booked a trip for us to go trolling uh, with a guide on Green Bay. And both of us, our biggest fish at the time was probably 36 and 37 inches, something like that. And uh, we hooked the fish, and my friend was fighting it for a little over a minute or so, and uh, it it jumped, and it got off. And I remember the guy looking at us, and he said, oh, it's okay, guys. You know, that was a good fish. 
it wasn't a Magnum. It was probably only like a 48. And the two of us looked at each other. We'd never seen a 48 inch fish in our lives. Probably. I mean, we'd seen some 40 mid forties up North, but nothing, you know, for the guy to say, Oh, it wasn't a Magnum. It was just a 48. It really, uh, changed our perspective. And I knew that I wanted to get to the green Bay area and, and chase those fish. And the next year was when I got hired at Manitowoc and I moved up here. I joined title town muskies Inc. Then, and I uh, got connected with some really passionate fishermen, some guys that really have a fire for it and guys that are passionate about the resource. And that really helped me uh, to get where I am today, as far as getting connected with people and having guys at the time I was running a 16 foot, 1978 Alumacraft and hopping puddles up north and, and fishing the smaller lakes down home. So uh, getting out on the bay on a regular basis wasn't really in the cards for me. I got connected with some really good guys, and we started catching some really big fish, and that's kind of uh, where it took off for me. Um, the next year in the off season, I was drinking beer with my buddy Scott and uh, sitting in the garage where all good good ideas seemed to come from, and uh, he asked me what he, – he started English sport fishing back in 2013, and uh, he'd been guiding for a few years already. This is 2000. 17 or 18 now at this point she'd been had an established business and he's sitting there he said oh phil why don't you get your captain's license and i said well what, what are you talking about you know i only have a 16 foot tenor like what what am i going to do on the bay with a, with that and he said no you can run my boat and basically uh we i started working for him i got my captain's license i got uh started running some trips and it's really taken off from there it's been uh, an awesome experience to be working with scott and to be doing the the guiding stuff, he's really big into the walleye tournament type thing. And then I'm kind of the, the musky guy out of the two of us. So it works out really well. And like I said, we both work for the fire department. So when he's working, I'm off and vice versa. It's a really good, uh, really good business. We work well together. So it works out well that way. Our business is called Angler Sport Fishing. We've got a YouTube channel. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Um, Angler Sport Fishing Phil is our Instagram page. That's me. And, uh, <laughs> English sport fishing for the Facebook and the YouTube page. We put some fun stuff out on YouTube. I try and do some different things. Uh, I did some pond bait demos while we were all stuck at home last year. That's about it. That's that's where I'm at now. We we run the guide guide service for walleyes and muskies, and that's it. So Phil, you you kind of mentioned that uh, muskies Inc was kind of a big part to you actually jumping into this full time. Why don't you share a little bit about what that means to you? Yeah, absolutely. So when I moved up here uh, in the winter of 2015 was when I started at the fire department. I came to my first Muskie Zinc meeting at Titletown. We have uh, speakers in the wintertime. In the offseason, we have speakers come in, and I think it was Mike Keyes talking or someone, and I, I'd seen it on Facebook, and I joined the club. And it, it really changed the whole trajectory of my whole Muskie life. I mean, I, I, I met a lot of great guys, and the, the clubs just do so much for the fishery here. Green Bay is an, an entirely stocked fishery. There's no natural reproduction on Green Bay. So Titletown and the Muskie Alliance of Wisconsin, the other Muskie clubs, do a ton to, to work hand-in-hand hand with our DNR in order to, to make that stocking effort happen. So, Phil, I know that last year was kind of, I mean, you talked about Muskie stocking there, and I know that last year was kind of a different year, obviously, with everything going on. So were they still able to put some fish into Green Bay last year? And then... If you know what the plan is for this year, you want to talk a little bit about that too? Sure. So I have some emails to the club that I got from the DNR. So it, it sounds like they were able to 
stock muskies last year in the fall, and ever since 2010, we've been stocking extended growth fingerlings. We meaning the DNR, but we the clubs and the DNR is a cooperative. We've been stocking extended growth fingerlings. So instead of the the fish that are hatched from the spring of the year, and then they would be stocked right away in the fall, they're kept over winter and they're growing up quite a bit longer. So those fish are going to have a lot better survival rate than than uh, those smaller fish that they had been stocking previous to that. The clubs are always also working with the DNR as far as um, some new stocking projects. Sorry, I got a couple notes here. There's Fox River NRDA grant, which is to increase stocking in Green Bay in the Winnebago system, and then also to promote natural reproduction. And uh, the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point worked on a telemetry project in 2018, they worked with guides and other fishermen to tag a bunch of fish in Green Bay. They tagged over 60 fish, and they basically followed their, their activity throughout the year and basically just looked to see where they were going and see if they returned to the same areas that they were stocked. And again, the idea that there's no natural reproduction in Green Bay right now, but they're looking to see if the fish still come into the tributaries and the shallow bays and they go through the motions of spawning. Basically you'll see big fish in the spring that are in there with males and they're, they're going through the motions, but they're not actually having any successful reproduction. So the study was basically aimed at tracking the fish's movements and then also seeing if any place where they were going through the motions of the spawning, if they were able to have any successful reproduction and out of, uh, a ton of eggs that they collected. They only had a couple instances of eggs that were actually fertilized, and that was in the Menominee River. And there's a couple spots in Sturgeon Bay where they had that as well. But they're looking to kind of find out where they had that successful spawning, and then hopefully make more spawning habitat or do what they need to do in order for those fish to be able to naturally reproduce, so that they wouldn't have to have the spawning be the or, I'm sorry, the stocking being the only way to keep this fishery going i think the fishery i mean you guys are still catching some really good fish over there are you seeing a lot of the smaller fish as well yeah and that's been the the really good thing to see too right now um in 2008 and 2009 they had zero stockage due to the vhs here in lake st Clair, and uh so they, they weren't exchanging eggs they weren't doing any stocking in that 2008 and 2009 range and it seems like we do see a little bit of that window right now as far as the fish that we're catching we're seeing a lot of fish that are, you know, at 27 up to maybe 38 inch range. And then we're seeing a bunch of fish that are upper forties and, and 55 plus. I mean, there's a, there's a definite gap there. When I first started fishing the bay, it seemed like if you were to catch a fish or two in a day, that it, it'd be pretty common to catch 45s and 46s. And right now it seems like the, the amount of like fish in that low to mid 40s section is kind of, lacking but that might be that window where we didn't have any stocking but you can tell the numbers of little fish coming up is just great so the the prospect of fishing in green bay is really really good for the future you can definitely tell that those extended growth fingerlings there's a lot of numbers of those smaller fish coming up in the system so all in all would you say i mean obviously it sounds like green bay is still really really good i know that there's a ton of fishing pressure over there from what i hear as well how do you uh how do you deal with that on a daily basis Phil? Um, it's something that you just really get used to. I mean, people that come that are not used to fishing Green Bay, they, they look around and, and they're kind of taken aback by it sometimes. I mean, there's places you can go to get away from the crowds, 
But, I mean, a classic example, everybody's seen the, the videos and the shows and stuff. Fishing in the opener on the Fox is a little bit of a zoo. I mean, there's there's people everywhere, but there's fish everywhere, too. There's a reason that people go there, and it's because that river turns out a ton of big fish. That's where I caught my personal best casting fish uh, two years ago, opening day. I caught a 52-incher casting. That was my best uh, best casting fish so far. And, I mean, that river, it's we call it Shark Week, that opening week, because, man, it just turns out some giant fish. And, and if you're there, you're in the mix. And, and, you know, there's definitely other places to go and catch big fish as well. Um, but it, it's one of those things where fishing during the week is obviously good. And, and this last year with people working from home and stuff, even that didn't get you away from the pressure a whole ton, but the fishery definitely supports it. And man, it, it's a, uh, it's a great place to be. I, there's not a lot of places that I'd rather be doing the guiding and stuff than green Bay. Cause the, the potential for those big giant fish is just incredible. I hear a lot of stuff about it all the time. And I personally haven't fished muskies over there, although I do some duck hunting over there. So Sure, it's one sure. of those fields where I get I get to spend a little bit of time on the bay, and you know mm-hmm. it's a pretty place too. I love it. Yeah, I mean I've been really fortunate. I haven't been here for a lot of years, but I've been really fortunate to to be able to fish this area. And I mean we had groups last year that were coming to fish that had fished Lake of the Woods for 25 years, and I was telling them some of the stories of some of the fish that I've caught or that clients have caught. And uh, I've been really fortunate in a in a relatively short amount of time compared to guys who've been guiding you know as long as I've been alive. I've been uh, really fortunate to handle a lot of a really, really big fish. And the fish that we grow here, too, St. Clair is growing some fatter fish, and obviously Minnesota just grows absolute mega giants. But fish that we grow here are just really heavy, and they're, they're, they're awesome. They're just they're great fish. They're, they're, they're the whole reason that I moved. I, I made you know my life choices to move to Green Bay area because I, I had that first experience. I caught my first Green Bay muskie in 2016, uh, and it was – a 48 and a half incher and it was just that heavy from from belly to tail and I, it, it definitely changed my life it, it got that fire going even stronger than it was before that you know it's uh it's an incredible place to fish and i kind of equate it to hunting in an area that holds big bucks it's like you know you might not see one every day you might not catch one every day but anytime that you're out there you have the potential for the fish that's just the fish of a lifetime truly that's what it's about i mean you want to be in a place where you definitely have the opportunity. I mean, if, if you're not fishing in an area that you have the opportunity of catching what you're looking to catch, I mean, some people are happy with a smaller fish. That's okay. There's nothing wrong right. with that. But but I always like to have that potential. You know what I mean? I, that's exactly. In the yeah. back of my head. So. Yeah. You know, Jeff's not, uh, I mean, you don't live that far away, Jeff, and you can be on the water quickly, but you don't really utilize it a whole lot, do you? No, it's that pressure thing that, I don't want to say bothers me, but like my life is filled with people all the time and frustrations, I guess, occasionally. And so when I'm out there on the water, I prefer not to be having, you know, 10, 12 guys around me. It's, uh, I don't know. I don't It's a, it's a different way to fish. I mean, the fish don't seem to care, but right. you know, personally for me, it's, it's not my cup of tea. The other thing too, is like, I can remember, I will call them like the good old days. Like I can remember fishing on we'll call it shark fin right now shark fin is a very prime spot i remember fishing that it's like i have pictures of me holding it up i think it's either labor or uh, was it labor day is that the one at the end yeah yeah labor day i think it was labor day weekend on shark fin i caught a muskie there is not one boat around 
at all. And there, there is almost no way you can take that picture anymore. Oh, right. Yeah. And that's my friends and I talk about it all the time who are, are a similar age to me. It's like, I feel like we were born like 10 years too late for all the really, really like crazy musky booms. Like we missed the Minnesota stuff cause we were in middle school and we missed the stuff that, you know, Brad and everybody was doing over there. And then, uh, you know, we hear people talk all the time about, you know, Oh yeah, well we used to go out. I just was talking to a guy a couple of days ago. So yeah, we used to go troll long tail in September and we'd be the only boat out there. And it's like, it's not that way anymore. And there are still places, like I said, to get away. And if you're looking, you know, I always try and feel clients out if they're looking for something where they just want to be in the mix and, and absolutely going for their highest percentage of, you know, catching a, a fish or a giant fish that, you know, then that might be a client that I'll take to the Fox River opening weekend and not even, you know, I'll warn them. I'll say, well, it's going to be pretty busy, but we're going to be, it's going to be a good opportunity for you to catch a mega. And then there's other people who say, I'd rather get away from the crowd a little and, and, you know, even if there's possibly less fish, if it's, you know, they want more of an adventure, that's something that I definitely try and cater to as well. It's definitely, I mean, I, I understand for sure. I, I My friend lives up in St. Germain, and uh, it's very nice for me sometimes to just get away. He actually lives right uh, right, right near Fibbers in St. Germain, so it's nice for me to get up and I take my little boat up north still, and I'll fish some smaller lakes and, and lakes where I know I'm probably not going to catch that you know, mid fifties fish, but it's, uh, it's nice to have a little relaxing time some ways that that way too. You know, what it kind of reminds me of is, uh, back on the Mille Lacs days. I mean, don't get me wrong. There wasn't much different than what we're talking about, Phil. I mean, we, it was crazy. So like Thursday afternoon, you would start seeing the traffic showing up and Friday was crazy. Saturday was absolutely insane. Sunday by noon, one o'clock, pretty much everybody was packing up and heading back home. So it was kind of like, Oh, thank you. You know, it's finally going to relax a little bit. So I've dealt with that pressure as well. I mean, it was to the point where you might have two to four boats crisscrossing, you know, side by side casting and, and guys could talk to each other. I mean, that's how close they were. So. Yeah. And it is, it's always a blessing to have a uh, midday Packer games in, in, in the fall, because that way it's like a lot of times we're out there and, you know, we, I still do work for the fire department full time, but I try and take all my vacation in the in September, October and for those those great trolling times and it's hilarious. You can watch guys that'll all be out there when the sun comes up and there'll be a ton of guys and then right about eleven o'clock people start packing up and the launch is just jam packed with people that trying to get back to the noon Packer game. So it, it's nice when there's a, a game on or something that gives you a little uh room to breathe out there. That's really, really nice for sure. Yeah, weekday stuff and it's it's definitely similar to that where you you find yourself loving fishing on Mondays for sure. <laughs> yeah, it, it's amazing. It really is. I don't know. You know, you think about it over the last year with, like you said, people working from home and, and so on and so forth, and a lot of activities were canceled. I think uh, we've seen probably more pressure this last year than we've seen maybe ever. I don't know. It was kind of interesting. I mean, it didn't really seem no matter what lake we were on, there was a ton of people. Yeah, we always had done a... I shouldn't say always. I've, I've done it a couple of years. We we started doing a a trip to Lake of the Woods in the middle of July, and actually uh, last year we obviously we couldn't cross the border, but we ended up going to Lake Vermilion, and uh, I hooked up with Matt Seifert. That's actually how I kind of got connected with Brad and talking to Brad. But we went to to Vermilion last year in the in the summertime, and everybody was talking about, man, you, this pressure is unbelievable. There's so many boats out here. This is crazy, and we're like, man, we're from Green Bay. This is this isn't bad, you know. 
it's it's not the worst, but yeah, I think that definitely there was a lot of, of pressure. I remember going, I was going out on a Wednesday afternoon. I was just going fun fishing in the summertime for walleyes and went to Swamico boat launch. And normally in the, in the fall, it's really busy and stuff. And if you get there after, you know, maybe nine, 10 o'clock, you might have to go to the overflow parking lot. But I remember going for walleyes and on a Wednesday in the middle of, you know, the middle of August last year. And there was a ton of boats at like 2 PM. I had to go to the extended, extended parking lot and I couldn't believe it, but yeah, it's been a very strange year for sure that way, but it's good to see people getting involved and getting kids out fishing. A lot of kids sports and stuff have been canceled. So we had more kids coming and catching their first muskie with us than ever before. And that's really the, the most fun thing as a guide is to be able to take somebody out who hasn't experienced it before and, and get, give them that excitement, give them that, see that fire get lit like it did for all of us. So that's definitely one positive that came out of this crazy year. So why don't we go a little bit in depth, you know, when you're dealing with that kind of pressure, that many people around you, I mean, what's your thought process, Bill? I mean, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to get away from the crowd or are you just attacking certain spots because that's where the fish are? Or, I mean, give us a little bit of info on that side of it. Sure. There's two sides of that coin. At, at a certain point, you know, I always go back to the the shark fin or fishing the the fox in the, in the opener, it's like, there's there's a ton of boats there, but it's because there's a ton of fish there. Basically, any of the rivers and tributaries that come off of Green Bay hold muskies. Like, there's there's fish in each of them, some more than others. And the, obviously, the Door County area has, has some fish as well, and that's something that we definitely do hit, and we try to target that. One thing that I try and do is just do a little something different with bait. I know two years ago, we had started throwing the, the swimming dog, and we had some good luck in the opening week with that swimming dog. And we actually started putting some blades and different, uh, attachments on them. We had, I caught that my first, or my personal best, I should say that 52, I caught on a Healy dog. And that really got me putting blades and rubber together quite a bit more. We started throwing swimming dogs with different blade attachments, some Kramer blades, some other blades that, that we built ourselves. And I mean, it was like, it was crazy. The, the bite was just, it, we caught a lot of fish and that, first couple of weeks and it was just something a little bit different people were throwing swim baits people were throwing poseidons and then other people were throwing bucktails but putting that together doing just a little bit something different was something that just seemed to have those fish going nuts and then of course you know in classic musky fashion i went and bought you know 20 or 25 swimming dogs at the musky show last year and couldn't get a bite on them last year so it's, it's definitely a cyclical thing last year uh we were throwing a lot of blades again and uh getting them to bite bucktails. We were throwing some single fluted blades. It seemed like fluted blades was really the the ticket that was setting us apart from the crowd last year. And I'm sure this year it'll be something different. I'll have to go spend a bunch of money again. I'll be calling up Jeff to send me some more baits. <laughs> but uh, one thing, when I fished with Matt in Vermilion, that new 7.9 trigger, it hadn't come out yet, but he had had one. And, and I mean, we ended up, that, that bait was just crazy. We had, been throwing all sorts of different stuff and we fished with Matt on our first full day that we were there, or I should say our second full day of fishing. He had had us throwing that bait and we got to follow on a supermodel. We got a bite on the top water after dark, but he kind of let us hold on to that trigger for a few days afterwards. And it, it, it was crazy that just that little bit of difference with the way you guys designed that bait, we literally had to like pass it around the boat. Like I got to throw it. And then once I caught one, then I could pass it on to the next guy and he got to throw it. And it was like, I think we had one other bite all week on a bait that wasn't that one trigger bait. Like Matt had one to let us borrow 
And it was just crazy the way that little bit of a different vibration, those fish were just keying in on that. And, you know, even if I was fishing in the back of the boat, you know, those two weights would go by in front of me and I would throw that trigger and those fish would be on it. So sometimes just that little bit of different, you know, vibration or whatever it may be, just a little bit of a modification really made the difference on on vermilion which is obviously a pressured water and i'm i'm excited i have a big order from brad and carrie coming for some triggers to try in the spring here as well yeah i'm anxious to see what you can do with them out there phil that's for sure yep we're going back to minnesota again this july too so i'm pretty excited about throwing the the detonator both in minnesota when we go and then uh in the in the summertime casting by two i, I usually throw 10 9 or anywhere from double eight up to double tens during the day I'm definitely excited to try throwing that detonator after dark as well and slowing it down a little bit for that summer casting bite. I think that could be a, a pretty neat deal as well. So back to the bay, one of the things that I always think about, just a little bit that I know about it, I mean, there's like segregated areas where guys really spend their time. And that, I mean, it's big water. So how much other exploring is being done out there? Yeah, obviously the, the bay is, is a very large area and there's definitely key in spots and it, it's very seasonal on the bay as well. The, the beginning of the season, those first couple of weeks, we're really keying in on areas where the fish go to try and spawn. So you're looking at shallow bays, tributaries, and then in the summertime, the main reason that we're fishing certain areas is because there's weeds. There's not a lot of weeds on the bay in general. So the, like the, the shark fin is definitely a spot that's well known by most people that are even familiar with the bay and um the reason that that spot is so good is because those fish in the summertime they really spread out once they leave the rivers and the shallow bays they spread out and guys will catch them sporadically you know trolling for walleyes or jigging or whatever they'll they'll bump into them in the summertime but there's really not anyone who guides full-time all summer long for muskies on the bay everyone kind of goes into doing the walleye stuff and doing the bass stuff in the summertime because those fish are just really hard to pin down at that point starting in august they start moving in the perch move into the weeds again and those fish really just follow the bait all year long that's kind of the way we follow once they get off the the spawn uh it's basically all forage related so in the summer they'll move into the weeds and that's when we can start targeting them casting and it's really basically first couple weeks of august through the first week or two of September is when they're really on that good summer casting bite. And that's really a neat time to explore too, because a lot of people fish that West shore, the shark fin, south of the shark fin, north of the shark fin. Um, but there's definitely areas on the East shore and, and other stuff further north that really uh, doesn't get hammered the way that the other stuff does. And it's always uh, a two sided coin where you're looking at the beginning of the season and stuff. You could, go and fish the fox and kind of join in on that carousel. And there's a ton of fish there and there's big fish there. Or you can go explore and you can you can spend your time in other areas. And there's definitely very big fish to be had and very less pressured fish. And that's always kind of the, the tug of war mentally where you want to you explore, you want to do, do cool stuff and, and, and find a bite that maybe isn't, isn't getting beat up so bad. But then you also know that you know, the day that you go and try something else is the day that the, the Fox River is going to turn out a 56 or something else crazy like that. So it's definitely just a matter of, you know, you're always learning when you're on the water every day, whether you're fishing the same spot you fish for a week or you're, you're exploring waters that you never tried before. But that's kind of the debate that always happens in your mind at that point, fishing the bay. 
You know, the one thing I think, you know, everybody talks about the river. I think the one thing that's even made the pressure more, you know, more, I don't know, increased on that Fox River is the fact that we've had so many late springs recently. I mean, we've had, you know, reasonably, I'd say, warm temperatures in the last week or so here. If the if we ever came up with a spring that was above average temperatures, I think a lot of guys would show up on the opener and they'd be disappointed because those fish would be gone already by then. We've seen it before where you have a if you have an early spring, you know, those those fish aren't in that river and and you got to go chase them down a little bit more, wouldn't you agree, Phil? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the last few years have been really fishing-wise have been really nice for the fox and that uh, the fish have been hanging around longer. They've been spawning a little bit later than what they normally would be at and that that uh keeps those fish in the river longer we've had the last couple of years we've had good luck fishing that area even two and even the end of the third and fourth week of the season there's still a lot of fish hanging around it thins out the herd quite a bit when those fish aren't there anymore i mean it's it, you know it gets to the point where they're you can kind of follow the progression when you're out there each day and you know guys are catching fish you know further up the river and up the river and they get as the season progresses a little bit, they get closer and closer to the mouth. And then it gets to the point where there's really not that many fish hanging around. And, and if we do get a, an earlier spring and those fish are, you know, they're not looking at the calendar. They're looking at what the water temps are. So when those water temps are right, they're in the river and they're going through the motions. And then right after that, I mean, we were catching fish this year. Uh, a friend of mine caught a fish while he was with me. He caught a 53 and a half inch muskie that was, it was dropping eggs in our boat. And uh, that's something that we definitely don't normally see with our seasons the way that they are. But I mean, that, that fish was just absolutely fat and full, full of eggs. It was pretty neat to see a fish that heavy. Yeah. It definitely matters a lot where that spring is at. And there's guys that, you know, if you're not able to come and scout ahead of time and, and make sure that those fish are in there, I mean, they might be in and out. I mean, there, will still be fish hanging around, but definitely not the, the concentration that you'd see. And at that point you have to start looking at some other uh, other other locations, other places where you might have some weeds or some some bait that's keeping that those fish hanging around longer than just the idea of the spawn. Yeah, and it, and if people do look around, if you know there are other places in the bay that they can definitely find these muskies. They don't have to just fish in the river. I know of you know other I know of other places personally. I'm not going to mention them on the podcast because I'd prefer not to uh, not to burn those spots, but. I definitely know of people in, in spots that you can catch them outside of the river if, if they're not there. I mean, and, and that's a possibility. We haven't seen it in, shoot, I don't even know how long. I mean, it's been a while. where We've had these late springs over and over and over. And right, like I said, right. it's definitely helped increase the pressure on that on that fishery in the early season. I, I'm just mm-hmm. curious. It'll be interesting to see the results if if we get one of those seasons. I think the guys that truly know the the lakes in and out, the you know, the bays in and out, I think they'll have – they'll continue to have success where some of these guys are going to show up in the river and go like, Oh, what, what happened? You know? Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. And it's one of those things. And I, I've, again, I haven't been around the longest as far as guides and everything like that, but I have, I do get a lot of time with my job to go and explore and do stuff. And I've, I've caught muskies in all different areas of the bay. And, and when people ask me about it, like you said, I try not to be too specific and start dropping locations, but my advice to people, if they're thinking about exploring is if you think there's muskies in an area, there are. They'll be there. I mean, there's there's spots that we fish where I really haven't talked to anybody about talked to anybody who's you know at least said that they fish there and and you go there and there might not be a lot of fish, but chances are if the conditions are right, if it's a you know if there's weeds there and you go in the summer or if there's if it's a shallow bay or a tributary, 
you know, and you want to go in the spring and those, those fish, you know, they don't, they don't all go in the Fox. That's, that's absolutely true. So then let's talk about as we move on throughout the course of the season, you know, or, you know, course of the fall, I guess, at what point is it typically where you're going to transition to a, a trolling bite from a casting bite? Cause I know, I mean, if I go through the progression, you're going to have early season. Most guys are doing the casting deal. Although if you're in the river, you can do the trolling deal too, but more, mm-hmm. more guys are casting. And yep. then, you know, as you go into, I would say, like you said, the August time frame into early September, you're going to be, you know, uh, doing most of that casting on those weed beds. Is that, is that kind of how you play out the season too? And then you, you know, that mid to slightly early September, is that when you start to transition into trolling mostly? Yep, that's exactly it. And the thing is, those fish go from keying in on the weeds and keying into the perch and the other bait being in the weeds. And the whole thing that drives that fall fishing, that whole fall trolling bite, is the shad migration. So the, the main forage for these muskies in Green Bay is shad. And basically, you go from those northern spots where the weeds are, and as September rolls around, you start getting into you know more people spreading out and more fish. The bait basically moves off of those weed beds, and it starts migrating down towards the mouth of the fox because the shad spawn in the spring and the fall. So the fall, or I should say the shad start moving down. And um, that's really what keys in our whole fall bite is as it progresses, you start seeing shad moving down towards the Swamico area and, uh, and, and in the lower bay as well. I mean, anytime that you go out and the west side is definitely what gets the most pressure, but the east shore definitely holds, holds muskies for a trolling bite as well. But basically... As the season progresses, those shad move further and further down the bay. And by the end of the year, I mean, there's guys in October, November that are fishing right in University Bay in the lower bay. And then there's guys that even fish right in the river. There's times where you can go in the river and you just see, you know, piles and piles of shad on your on your uh, graph. And even, you know, guys casting late in the season in the river, you'll, you, you'll be reeling in your bucktail and there'll be shad just jumping out of the water in front of it. Like it's pretty wild and that bait gets concentrated down in the mouth and there's the fish stack up pretty well down that way too at that point after that shad spawn uh, what do the fish actually do out there phil well i mean i guess i, I we, they just opened up the musky season going later this last year up until this last season the season would shut down uh after november 30th so basically those shad would be pushing up into the river and at that point, you could fish the lower bay and you could fish in the river and those shad would be in there. But really, we didn't get to the point where we were fishing them after the shad spawn. It was, you know, basically fishing those fish that followed the migration down. And then um, that would be the the end of our season. Then once it got to December, we couldn't fish them any longer. So we'd go out and it would still be primarily a trolling bite and, and trying to troll those fish that were concentrated on that bait and then that would be the end we couldn't fish any longer than that but just this last season they changed it to going till the end of the year as long as there's open water so you couldn't fish couldn't ice fish for them but you could fish longer for them out of the boat makes sense i think that's a cool rule too i mean once it caps the season's closed i think that's a neat way to do it you know minnesota i'm I'm not sure how many years ago it's been quite a while but we close on december 1st so you know, and there's years when there's already too much ice to actually fish, and then there's years where I wish we could still be out in the boat, and you know, second week of right, December. Right. Right. So. Yeah the the northern zone, which is where Green Bay is, is was always December first. But I remember one day we were trolling uh, 
Oconomowoc Lake or Okachi Lake. It was actually Okachi Lake in December. And, uh, it was beautiful. It was probably, you know, 40 degrees and sunny and we couldn't believe we were musky fishing in December, but you know, it's nice that now that that season is extended, that you have that opportunity. If you want to go out there and brave the elements that you can stay after those fish a little while longer. And getting back to that, like the Minnesota stuff versus, versus Green Bay, that Chad being the main forage base in Green Bay really ties into a lot of the bait decisions that we're making, especially trolling. Casting, we've had, you know, plenty of fish that eat bigger bucktails and eat mag dogs and pounders and everything else. But trolling, we try to experiment. We run a lot of different baits as far as trying to run the supernatural stuff. I've run the, the Lee Lures, Pelagic and stuff. And every now and then you'll get a bite on the baits like that. But, um, with it being a shad based forage, it seems like we get a ton more action on smaller baits, relatively small baits as far as the musky world goes. And it just, I think that ties right back into the idea that these fish are eating shad almost all the time. And basically those fish are just following around these big clouds of shad. And the way it was described to me, um, another guide, Chris Barch told me that he thought that basically these fish are just following them around and whenever they get hungry, they can just open their mouth and swim through a cloud of shad and they're never actually really very hungry. It's just a matter of, you know, getting those fish. You can see them on your graph all day long as you troll by, you know, in October you can troll by in the, on the lower bay and there's, there's fish just sitting there. And it might be the fifth time, sixth time, seventh time you go over that area and all of a sudden that fish just decides to eat. I, I asked him one time what he thought about that, why he wouldn't, why we couldn't get these big giant fish to eat big baits. And uh, he had kind of a funny response. I thought he said, you know, he told me, he said, well, imagine it like this. Imagine you're sitting at the old country buffet and you just ate everything. He said you had some of the potatoes, you had some of the chicken, you got a full belly. And he said, somebody walks by with a big old steak on a plate. And they're moving real fast. And I said, here you go. You know, you want to, you want a bite of this steak? And you're like, oh man, no way. I'm too full. I couldn't eat that. And he said, that's like trolling fast or trolling with big baits on the bay. He said, but now if you, you got a full belly, you're kind of sitting there. He said, but somebody comes by with like a little cupcake, nice little bright cupcake. And I say, oh, here, you got room for this? And you go, yeah, I suppose I got room for a cupcake. And that was his analogy. He said that these big fish, they're, they're fat and full bellies, but they might want to eat a little small super chad cupcake instead of eating a big giant steak or something i love it i love that <laughs> analogy that's awesome because it's kind of one of my analogies um about moving a bait slower you know with a big fish yep. i always ask does a fat man run to the fridge or does he walk and there you um, go exactly right right it just ties right in perfect yeah yeah and, and our trolling stuff too i mean i know guys out east and on St. Clair and stuff are trolling at some, some crazy speeds, you know, five here guys, five, eight miles an hour, stuff like that. And I've never really gone and experienced that, but on the bay, our, our wheelhouse is like three old at three, four. I mean, most of the time I'm starting at three, two on a day and really it's day to day as far as what speed I'm going to go, but I start speeding up and slowing down and I make sure I keep my boat in the, in the zone I want to be in, in the, in the area where I know there's fish. And I start experimenting with speeds. And if anything, I found I usually do better when I go slower. Said I've been fortunate to handle a lot of muskies on Green Bay, especially trolling in the last five years. But if, if anything, I, I I probably haven't caught many going over three seven, but I've definitely caught a bunch going under three two. Like if I get down to two eight, two seven, especially when the water gets colder and stuff, I, I'll slow it down quite a bit. And it seems like that can definitely be a key to uh, setting yourself apart and doing a little bit better than the. Than the other guys trolling out there as well. 
Yeah, I think Jeff even actually talked about that this last fall. I, I know Jeff slowed his presentation way down, and mm-hmm. it's not kind of what he was thinking about, but it worked, didn't it, Jeff? Uh, well, I, I mean, I, honestly, I had better I had better success actually going faster than I did going oh, I, slower. I, was thinking, I thought it was you slowed down. I did slow down, and it was a mistake, <laughs> I think. Oh, okay. On the bear. Yeah, on the bay. Well, in, oh, okay. in in a few different places, but the bay was one of them too. I slowed way down, Brad, and I I think that was a mistake slowing. You know, I was kind of I don't want to say I was kind of following the pack, but I was kind of following the pack in that way. Sure, sure. One of those things is sometimes that's the other thing too, Brad. When I talk about pressure, is it's time. Sometimes you get stuck into what everybody else is doing, and you don't you, you get I don't kind of sucked into wor- not working your own game plan. You get you kind of pull into what everybody else is doing and that's kind of how it was out there. And so I slowed it way down and I, I think that was a mistake. I think I should have been going a little bit quicker than I was. I've never much like Phil said, I've never had a ton of success on green Bay going super quick. But then again, I know I've caught a pile of fish in that speed range that he's talked about. Mm-hmm. And so I don't get outside the range that often. If I'm not catching fish, my, my natural instinct isn't to speed up. So but yeah. in, in this it- case, late fall, I think I, I think I was going way. I think I was just going too slow. Sure, sure. And it really goes back exactly to what I was talking about before, that mental tug of war between, all right, you know, and, and being in Wisconsin, we can run three lines per guy. And that's one of the things I've really enjoyed about being a guide is that I can have, you know, two or three people jump in the boat and I get to pick all the baits for all the rods because it's one of those things where, you know, everybody who's fished Green Bay in the fall knows that Green Bay muskies love to eat super shads. Like, I don't know what it is about them, but those, those baits just, they got a real lazy wobble, um, and the fish just go nuts over them. You, you, I, I've tried a ton of different baits, and I definitely have had a ton of success with the super shads. But you get into that rut too, where you're like, "All right, you know, everybody throws super shads. I got to throw super shads." And if you don't ever branch out, there's a couple other baits that I found where it's like, "Man, if I'm not getting a bite, it can be the answer." You know, it's like all of a sudden you're catch yourself in a rut, like you said, and you're like, "Man, I'm doing the same thing over and over." and it's not producing and then you got to, you know, it's really just tough to figure out. And that's the, again, that's the tug of war where, um, you want to, you want to explore, you want to try new stuff, but you're also running the, the old faithfuls that work. And that's the nice thing, like I said, about being able to pick and run more rods is that you can experiment and you can find, all right, you know, I've got, usually I run something experimental on the down rod. And then if I'm running nine rods, I've got, um, probably five or six, uh, either super shads or the tyrant raz shads out from there i have a couple other baits either a bucktail or you know i've trolled swim baits i've trolled other crank baits and stuff and there's a lot of other baits that these muskies will eat i mean it's easy to to just <laughs> and there's guys out here that do it that just run 12 super shads every day and they catch a bunch of fish but there's definitely other things out there when the bite is tough that can uh can get you to a, a bite where you might not have a fish that day if you didn't try something new well, you know, the one thing I found that's kind of interesting, how you, you know, you were talking about, you know, mostly bigger baits. The weird thing about it is when I first started fishing Green Bay, like a 10-inch jake was like the bait. I mean, we used to catch a pile right. of fish on a 10-inch jake. So I, I tried it this this fall. It didn't it didn't work for me, oddly. But it uh, it's one of those things you, I wonder, I mean, I, I'm assuming if you, I'm assuming you still catch them on 10-inch jakes, but I wonder what, like, what happened there. The forage base didn't change. So... I don't know. Maybe it's, I, I, I don't know. It's really a weird, it's a weird phenomenon for me how like that changed. Cause like a 10 inch Jake used to be, we'd run a bunch of them and we'd catch fish on them. 
yeah, talking to guys like Jay Zahn and other guys who've been fishing here since the, the start of it. Yeah, it's, it's exactly the story I've heard where it's like, man, if you, if you weren't trolling big grandmas or big jakes, you were like, oh, it'd be like, you know, if you, the same idea as if you didn't troll super shads now, it's like, well, what are you, what are you thinking? And it's like, we definitely experiment, like I said, with those, the bigger supernatural baits or the big flat sided baits, like the jakes and the grandmas and stuff. And, and, and with some varied success, I mean, I've caught a couple fish on, uh, Chad Weiss's uh, Weiss bait, like the seven inch shad and some, some other baits like that. But green bay muskies are a different animal, man. I tell people all the time, people ask, you know, oh, is it better to go in the morning or the afternoon or anything like that? And it, it it's hard to, to give people a good answer because I, I tell people all the time, the green bay muskies, they don't read the musky hunter magazine. It's like, they, they don't always bite on the moon. They don't always bite at sunrise and sunset. Like there's definitely a, an idea where if you see a fish, follow or something you go back to it on moon you're going to have a good chance at it but the biggest fish that we've caught in my boat have been bright sunny days middle of the day not on moon anything that you know just what would seem like a really random you know that fish shouldn't be biting now it's not a classic you know scenario but it's been crazy to you know there's days where it just seems like oh well today's going to be we're going to go out there and give it a try but might not be the day and then all of a sudden you just get you know a crazy big fish and i i I definitely can't explain it but i'm happy that it happened well i know in my experience if i can find flat calm and sunny days especially if i'm trolling those are like the most ideal conditions for me on green bay flat calm and sunny like i i've probably caught more fish more big fish ever on the, on those particular kind of days and maybe it's because i like being out there more when it's that way but it's also yeah i mean we've I, I fished nasty weather. I fished, I fished it all. I got back in the day. I used to fish green Bay, like all the time. I had a ranger boat, sure. 619. Yep. That thing was, if I wanted to fish, it was going to handle anything. The bay was willing to throw at me and I fished it all. And I fished East shore, West shore all over. I mean, I, I played around on the bay a lot. It was like Brad, mm-hmm. had, like Brad had said, it was 45 minutes from home and it had, it had the potential for big fish. It didn't have potential when I was fishing it a lot to like these mega giants you see now. It didn't have that. But we spent a ton, a ton of time out there. And if we had a flat, calm, sunny day, it was phenomenal. And, you know, you were talking about the moon phases, the sunsets, the sunrises. I do know, and I, I couldn't tell you, if we had a season where if I was out there by like 6.30 in the morning, by like 7.30 in the morning, there was probably a good chance we were going to have a fish in the net every single time we were out there. It was like, it, it, it lasted for like two, three weeks straight. And I was probably, I mean, I wasn't super busy electrically. It's a, it's a really sure. weird phenomenon, Brad. I, I had a nicer boat and more time to fish. And my electrical business wasn't very big. And now I have a less nice boat and not as much time <laughs> to fish and two businesses that are, I would say, both mildly successful. So it's kind of weird. Some of it's family time too. I mean, I have I have more kids now than I did back then too. Like I only had my one daughter to worry about, but we we're out there all the time, and it was uh, it's it's crazy how much you can learn when you have tons of time on the water. I mean, we talk about it a lot, but time on the water is a huge thing. You can learn by being out there day after day after day after day. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, that's one of the things that's been awesome about about having the job that I have, being a fireman. I mean, we normally work ten to twelve days a month, and that. You know, I haven't been up here for that many years, but the time that I get to spend on the water here is just absolutely awesome. And, and that's a huge thing as well, obviously. I mean, like you said, day to day, um, there's definitely, I would agree with you that there's a, 
I would say especially like that early September into like mid-September is definitely that time where if you're out there as the sun's coming up, that there's definitely still a morning. It seems like a lot of times you're just getting set up, you just get the rods in, and you got one going off already. That's, that's definitely one thing that I would say keys in. But then as the fall goes on, it seems like those fish aren't exactly as, as keyed in on that right away in the morning bite like that. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, like you said, the month of September for me was always that month where we, we had things dialed in a lot, a lot more. I've always felt, mm-hmm. and I've yeah. had people ask me, you know, if I could pick a month to be on green Bay, what, what month would it be? And, uh, September is always, in my opinion, that would be the month I'd want to be on green Bay. If I could only pick one month. I, I would agree. I, there's that, that October time period is, is exciting too. We always do pretty well and put a couple of big fish in October, but it seems like September is, uh, it's hit or miss day to day, but man, when it's on in September, I've caught all my, all my biggest fish have come in the, in that last half of September. And we've, you know, I, I've been pretty fortunate to catch a, a 55 and a 57. I did a 53 and three quarters and caught at the end of October. And that was kind of a, a warm, sunny day as well. It was an unseasonably warm day and it was almost similar conditions to what we would have been fishing in September as well. September, no matter where you are. I mean, it's just a magic month. What we need is about two or three months worth of September. And, right. And yeah. Think- yeah. If we could just have the fall all year long. I mean, I, I do love the casting thing and I love the spring, the early season here, but man, that, that's such an exciting time to be on the water for sure. Yeah. It, it's a special time. That's for sure. And I think what it boils down to is those first cold fronts, you know, when the, when the water temps start coming, coming back down, it, it's, uh, by all rights, it's uh, my favorite time of the year, that's for sure. Yeah. The other thing that's nice about September is people decide they want to go bow hunting, too, so it does help that's, take some of the pressure off of it, too. Yes, absolutely. And then the duck hunting season starts opening up, and guys start doing that instead. It's, it's, uh, it's, you can definitely see the progression when you're out there on a regular basis. It's like, oh, man. And, and I used to be, uh, I used, when I was 12, 13 and stuff, I would, I would bow hunt every weekend and stuff. I was really big into that, and then once I kind of discovered what was going on in Green Bay in the fall, I, it's a lot harder to leave there and do, do do other stuff. Now, I still I still deer hunt and stuff. I still go up north in November, but uh, pretty much September and October, it's hard to find me anywhere else besides work and on the, on the bay. One of them things, you know, Phil, it's just, it's hard to do everything. And if you're going to be good at something, guess what? It takes time. Absolutely. I agree. So, Phil, we talked about Muskie Zinc in the beginning, and I know Muskie Zinc has been, you know, imperative, I guess I would say, to this Green Bay Muskie project. If somebody's looking to get involved in that club, why don't you talk a little bit about that and maybe some of the events you guys have coming up? Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. Uh, we, uh, t- as Title Town Muskie Zinc, uh, Chapter 4, we have a big month coming up here in March. Um, we have our meetings every second Wednesday of the month, and in the off-season right now we have speakers coming in. We had... Luke Ronestrand come in and talk last month. We had Brian Klein the month before that. And then uh, coming up this month, we have Dan Grappengeiser from Northern Wisconsin. He's going to come in and talk about some muskies and his, uh, his guiding and stuff like that and his tactics. And then we have our big fundraiser for the year coming up. March 19th is going to be our banquet held at Stadium View in Green Bay. Uh, we have tables available for that yet. We're also going to have a booth at the Wausau Muskie Bash. So, Myself, I'm the I'm the vice president of the club, uh, and a couple of the other of the officers will be there. Uh, we're going to have an informational booth, basically about what we do as Muskie Zinc, and then we're going to have some release tools, and we're going to have a, a 
mount from Rick Lax. He's going to let us show people how to handle fish and basically the right way to hold them and, and treat them right so that these fish are going to get released properly. So that's the big things that we try and do with the club. We try and do uh, support the DNR projects as far as stocking and research. And then we do as much as we can with youth outreach and uh, education as well. That, those are the big things with Muskie Zinc. Um, if you're looking to, to get involved, uh, we have a Facebook page that's our main hub for information, Title Town Muskie Zinc. And uh, like I said, we'd love to see you come uh, come to our banquet or come to our meetings. You don't have to be a member to attend the meetings. You can come and we have uh, the, the Yacht Club serves food and drinks and everything before and after. So you can come and hang out and meet some passionate musky guys. And in the off season, we do have the speakers as well. And then, uh, like I said, the banquet, we've got a ton of local guides that have been donating trips. I donated trip. Doug Wagner is donating one this year. Zach Stadler, Jay Stefan and Stephen Bolden all, uh, so far have confirmed that they're going to be donating trips. We have a ton of musky stuff. We have rod and reel combos. It's a really neat event. It's, it's fun. People bring their, bring their wives, bring their kids, whatever. And it's a, uh, it's a really neat fun night. We, uh, also present our on Mislik trophy for the year. Um, basically every year, the biggest fish that's caught and, re- and successfully released and registered through Muskie's Inc. They get a free replica from the club from Rick Lack. So this year's fish, I believe was 55 and a half inches and caught on green Bay. And, uh, we present that at the banquet as well. So that's a pretty neat benefit as well. If you, Join the club, and you make sure you say that you're part of the Title Town chapter. At the very least, it's like a forty-five dollar raffle ticket to win a uh, a free mount if you catch the biggest fish from the club out of the year. So those are some neat events that we got coming up for the club. It should be a uh, an exciting month, something to get us through before we get to our our opener here. This time of the year is always kind of a a slow time in the winter, but uh, it's fun to get together with some musky guys and and do that sort of thing. It definitely sounds like it's been a big part of your uh, whole fishing career as well as uh, your life and the involvement that you're doing. So that's pretty cool, Phil. Yeah, absolutely. Me personally, and then obviously just like in, in co- cooperation with other, other clubs and with the DNR and stuff, just making this Green Bay fishery the, the awesome reclamation project that it is. I mean, up until 1989, these fish had been, been naturally reproducing and then they had been whittled down quite a bit and there weren't very many muskies to come by and they started stocking them again back in 1989 and that's when uh this whole thing really started coming back around so it's definitely uh something to do to support your local musky clubs and uh it's it's been a huge part of getting me to where i am like i said meeting guys that want to fish and want to want to get out there and and talk about it and explore and stuff it's it's been really awesome it's been a great experience for me it's nice too to be able to give back and to be very involved with the stuff that's going on in the club now. Um, I'm, I'm vice president. I was the vice vice president starting uh, last year, and I continue to be. And it's uh, it's great to get involved with your local clubs and and to be able to be tuned in. They let us know when they're going to come in and collect the eggs from the fox, and they when they're going to be stocking the fish. Uh, I think my first year I was up here, we got an email through the club that said, "Hey, we're going to be stocking fish at Fox Point and at these different launches and everything else." and I got to go and see, they let me uh, take a little net full of those the baby muskies and put them into the base. So I thought that was, that was pretty neat. And if it wasn't for the club, you know, we wouldn't be involved with that sort of stuff at all either. So it's pretty, pretty cool uh, thing for muskie guys to just uh, get together and, and share that passion. 
Yeah, and if you you know it doesn't necessarily. I mean, we'll make a kind of a general statement about clubs in general. There's a lot of clubs out there that do a lot of good as far as stocking you know fish, and so I I would you know look for anybody to be involved in some of their local clubs. I know that you know Team Rhino Outdoors definitely supports those. I've made donations to many of the clubs in in the Wisconsin area to help with you know their stocking. Obviously, there's so many clubs we can't help them all, but we certainly try to help as many as we can because that's the future of musky fishing. If, if a lot of these places depend on, you know, they depend on the stockings to, to make it work. And so if they don't have the funds to stock, well, there's going to be probably less people catching muskies and in turn there's, you know, you know, less people that want a musky fish if their chances at catching one aren't that high. So, I mean, look into some of your local clubs. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something if somebody is just getting into musky fishing, I mean, the podcast give you a ton of information and everything as well, but whether you're in the Green Bay area, you want to get involved in our club or whatever club that you have in your area, man, it's, a, it's such a way to plug into what's happening and, and kind of just meet other people that, I mean, the people that I've met through the club are definitely people that have gotten to be some of my best friends since I moved to this area. It's, it's amazing the, uh, the bond that you have over these fish and you can, you know, even if I don't know somebody, I'll, I'll have somebody, you know, that I bump into at the store. And we start talking and I find out they're a musky person. All of a sudden it's like, we're buddies. We're just talking and, and you can talk to them for a couple hours. And that's how everybody at these clubs are there. They're all volunteers. They're all happy to be there. And it's just, uh, it's definitely a thing that if you're new to musky fishing, or even if you're not, it's something that can really get you connected with people in your area that are passionate about it too. And so Phil, if anybody's looking to get in touch with you to book a trip or learn more about angler sport fishing, how do they go about doing that? We have a, a Facebook page, Angler Sport Fishing. Uh, sport Fishing is one word. We have a website, www.anglersportfishing.net. We have an Instagram, at uh, Angler Sport Fishing Phil. And uh, last year, we did start up a YouTube page as well. We've got some videos on there. Um, we talked about kind of the crazy stuff that was going on last year. And um, when uh, everybody was kind of stuck at home and stuff, I started doing a little series of videos. I called them my pond bait demos. I was kind of uh, inspired by Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. He always did his pizza reviews traveling around and stuff like that. And when they had the quarantine, he started doing these videos from his apartment. And he was eating frozen pizzas and doing reviews on them. And I thought that was pretty neat, something to get people's mind off of stuff and whatever. So um, my business partner, Scott's got a pond in his backyard. And I took baits that either were classic baits that you know people would want to learn about if they were new to the sport or baits that were new last year that i picked up at at shows and stuff and i started throwing them and just talking about them in the in the pond and just kind of letting people know what these different baits do and stuff and uh that's all on our angler sport fishing youtube channel as well we do have some fishing content there some silly some fun stuff and then uh we're going to be coming out with a lot more fishing content there as well fishing footage and stuff but we can, you can find us at English Sport Fishing on YouTube as well. If you want to call or text, you can call or text 262-323-4155 is my phone number. You can always do that as well. But, yeah, um, you can shoot us a, a message or whatever. We'd be happy to get you out. So, Well, Phil, we just want to thank you for coming out and talking a little bit about Green Bay Muskies this year. I hope, uh, hope you have a great season. Hope the club continues this success. And, you know, thanks again. Thanks again for all of our listeners for putting up with us again for another episode. We really appreciate your support and, you know, thanks for, uh, thanks everybody for, for their, uh, support of backlash podcast for the last 102 episodes. I believe this is 102, right, Brad? Yeah, I believe that is. Yep. 
time flies. Seems like we just did a hundred like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> oh, wait, we did. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This actually might be 103, Jeff. No. Oh, yeah. Actually, you're right. It's going to end up being 103. You're correct. Yep. Good, good stuff, Phil. I appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for coming out and joining us. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. Very cool.